And so there's a higher value with what's in the center. And in that, in that way, that's what it's like for us with Jesus. There's higher value in focusing on Jesus. Maybe think of a wheel, you know, like a, a, a spoked wheel on a bicycle or a spoked wheel on a, um, on a carriage, you know, with timber, timber spokes. There is a hub that holds everything together. And the spokes are important. The spokes hold up the structure of the whole wheel. But without the hub, even the spokes are useless. Christ is our fission core. Like in a nuclear, um, like in a nuclear reactor, you know, Christ is at the center. He fuels and warms our faith and action. Christ is the overriding reason that we do everything that we do. And so to look at this topic of being Christ-focused, I have three questions that we're going to ask this morning. And I'm going to give rapid-fire answers to these questions. So kids, if you're following along, you'll have to try and be pretty quick to keep up with all the things that we're going to cover as you fill in your worksheets. We're going to be moving pretty fast. So, as we like to do, we like to start by asking a a question that doesn't give us the answer that we were actually looking for. We're going to ask the question of what are the alternatives to being Christ-focused? Before we get, dive into that, what's the alternative? If we're not Christ-focused, what are we? <laughs> not being Christ-focused means that we let other stuff take centre of our church life and our Christian life. Other things become the central focus, the central driving force behind us doing what we're doing. Sometimes, if we're, so that can mean if we're not Christ-focused, that we have a focus on God, but not God in the way that He's revealed Himself, but we think about God as an ethereal force, or as an idea, or as this nameless benevolence in the world. That's obviously not the God of the Bible, but when we let Christ, when Christ is not at the center, that's how we start to think about God not in the way that he's revealed himself to us. We could put other things at the center, like religious performance, trying to earn our way into God's good books through legalism. We essentially become modern-day Pharisees who are so focused on doing the right things by the book, we actually lose what is most important. We can have the appearance of godliness while denying its power. Or perhaps we could become ideology-focused. Whatever ideology that is, take your pick. A whole bunch of different things. And they could be good things, right? Care for the poor and the oppressed. A very good thing that God calls us to do. But if we put that at the center, then something's wrong. Or we have our church tradition. There are churches who have thousands of years of tradition. Some of it good and godly. But if that gets put at the center, then there's something wrong. But not even just old stuffy church traditions, modern church traditions that we've come up with that have, been, that have informed um, um, you know, churches in the modern day. Things that we have kind of picked up along the way, but those things, if they're put at the center, then it's a problem. We could put our political pursuits at the center. We could put um, specific sins that we are decrying and, and, and warring against, we could put them at the center. Perhaps we want to put historical and academic analysis at the center and take your pick of any other number of things. But these things are all important in their own way. We can have care for the poor. There are political implications for our faith. We should address specific sins. Godly tradition should be uh, uh, in, you know, endorsed and welcomed. 
but none of it can take center stage. That's a place reserved solely for the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. So the alternative to being Christ-focused is to hold up something else as most important, things that God does not make central. Sometimes we talk about, in faith, in Christian faith, we talk about the negotiables, or the, or some people use the language of uh, closed-fisted and open-fisted things. We might talk about the, the negotiables and the non-negotiables. There are core and non-core elements to our faith. Christians can disagree on how they think the end times will unfold, or what's the best mode of baptism, or how many kids Mary had, whether or not she had one or a bunch. But stuff like the deity of Christ and salvation by faith in Christ alone are non-negotiable. We can't move on those things. So the core things um, will be non-negotiable, but being Christ-focused does not mean we only talk about the non-negotiables or we only talk about Jesus himself. Some, some people may think that being Christ-focused means that we go along to get along, we never rock the boat, we never talk about anything that might be um, uncertain, or, and, and we, we never talk about anything other than Jesus, we just love Jesus and nothing else. But, you know, our faith has legs, it has implications, and the implications of that flow out from God's Word to our lives. And so we must move beyond just talking about Jesus Himself and talk about the structure that God forms around Christ. And you see this in the New Testament. The New Testament authors have no problem moving from, you know, very clearly proclaiming uh, Jesus and what he has done and what we should believe about Jesus and then moving straight into, therefore, live this way, do these things. There's implications that flow out. The, the New Testament writers have no qualms about moving from salvation in Jesus to this is what family relationships look like. Or talking about the mystery of Christ and then saying, and therefore these sexual ethics. This is how you should live. Or moving from the second coming of Jesus to hospitality and prayer. And so we should not be afraid of doing those things either as we remain Christ-focused. So being Christ-focused means that we have Christ in the centre, the hub around which everything else rotates, and we're the spokes where everything interconnects. It means Christ is the central focus but it doesn't mean we therefore forget about everything else around the outside. Jesus gets prime place and everything else fits in around him. Okay, so we've got that settled. We've got a little bit more of an understanding about what we mean by being Christ-focused, Christ-centered. So let's come and ask the question, why? Why is Christ the center? Why is Jesus the center of our life of faith and our church life well let's start with what we call ourselves we call ourselves christians christians those it's in our name it's part of who we are as christians belonging to god and the answer is so expansive that i can't really do it justice you know it's almost like asking a, a russian president um, about why he's gone to war in ukraine we'll start with a half an hour history lesson of uh, everything else that seems unrelated. And so we could stand here for ages and ages and ages and talk about all kinds of different things that all feed into it, but I'm pretty sure that you wanted to eat lunch today, and so I've tried to narrow it down and talk about a few key things. The first thing 
is that Jesus is God. Jesus Christ is God. And this is something that came to a surprise to the Jews because they, they received the gospel first and they knew, they'd been taught by God that there was one God. There was one God of gods. He is one. He's not a man. He's a spirit. And God had been very clear about that. Yet as Christ came into the world, it became apparent that while there is one Lord God who is spirit, he is in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And this truth is so deep and complex that it takes thousands of years to God, for God to gradually uh, reveal this to humanity. And we've spent the last 2,000 years of church history trying to figure it out still. There's still ongoing discussions and, and, and debate about what that looks like. How does this work? But one of the things that the Bible makes very clear is that Jesus Christ is God. He is the second person of the Trinitarian God, the Son of God, who has eternally existed and who took on humanity, walking in human flesh. He became a man. He took on flesh and dwelt among us. Famously, John 1.1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we, we're introduced to this idea that we can talk about Jesus as the Word as something like that we can talk about the Word as being with God, but also the Word as God. We can talk about Jesus in a distinct way as we can talk about Jesus and God, but at the same time, Jesus is God. Jesus is God and became a man to reveal God to us. And so to see Jesus, to hear from Jesus, is to hear from God. And Jesus made this clear. He said, whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. So if we want to go to God, if we want to see God, if we want to know God, there is only one place to go, and that is through Jesus Christ. If you see Jesus, you see the Father. God is spirit and he can't be seen with the human eye. He's so big and glorious and infinite and holy that if, even if there was somehow some way that you could lay your eyes on him, you would instantly die. And yet, God made a way for us to behold him through human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Now we can somehow interface with God through him. And so Jesus is our mediator. He is, our, he is the one who stands between us and God. He is fully God and fully man. And so to go to God, we must go to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the God except through Jesus. And so if we want to see God, if we want to know God, we need to be focused on Jesus Christ. He's not some impersonal, ethereal force in the world. He is named and related, relatable and in relationship revealed in Jesus. To look on Jesus is to look on God. Another reason why we're Christ-focused is that Christ created us, as we read in that passage before. We also focus on him because he is our creator. Now, all of God was involved in the creation of the world, Father, Son, and Spirit, but the New Testament especially reveals to us the way that Jesus was involved in the creation of the world. He was the avenue you could say. The world was created through him. For by him, being Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or authorities or rulers, all things were created through him 
and for him. Take a moment to, to, to just rest on that for a minute. This is why we're Christ-focused, because everything that exists is for Jesus. He is the creator of it, and it is all for him. Everything you see, everything, all things were created through him and for him. We will be focused on him. Jesus Christ is our saviour. You might remember that the humanity fell. Humanity sinned against God and we rebelled against God. And so God said, because you have sinned, you will die. There's consequences for your sin. Because of your rebellion, there will be consequences. There will be punishment for the evil which you do. And so all of humanity fell into sin. All of humanity now faces God's wrath. And all of humanity now faces death. But Jesus came into the world to save his people from that. To save his people from the consequences of their sin. To save them from death. To save them from the wrath of God. He de- he, we read about that as well, didn't we? Yes. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind. You who were once enemies of God. You who were once against God. Doing evil deeds. Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus is our saviour. He has come. He has come to reconcile you to God, to make atonement with his life, to make us holy and pure. We're focused on Jesus because he is our saviour, our redeemer, as we've been talking about the last few weeks in Ruth. But we also focus on Christ because Christ is our identity. Jesus Christ is our identity. We are a saved people who have a new identity in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that sets and makes up that identity. As I said before, we are now known as Christians. That's part of our identity in Christ. We are children of God. We are the church of Christ. We are believers Believers in what? Believers in who? In Jesus, our Christ. In further down in Colossians, in chapter 3, it says, You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There is a real sense that once we come into Christ, our old identity is stripped away and we put on Christ. We put on his righteousness. We put on his identity. And that's how we are known now. And Christians, this is very important. I want you to hear this. In the the milieu that we live in right now, one of the real problems that we face is questions of identity. And friends, this 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 is something that we all need to know and understand as we face the onslaught, as we face the the propaganda in the world, we need to know that when we are in Christ, he is the one who sets our identity. Outside, your, outside of Jesus, your identity is a child of wrath. And we will try and cover that up with, with like, the, like Adam and Eve tried to cover up with, with fig leaves when they had sinned against God. They looked for something to clothe themselves with, to, to hide their shame and their sin, to hide from God. And when we are outside of Christ, we will look for anything to try and cover up, 
to, to try and take away our shame. And we will take on identities from all around us. Anything that we think might help. But in Christ, we are given a new identity. An identity of freedom. An identity of holiness. Of being washed clean. Of being made right. Of having our shame and our guilt taken away. He gives you a new identity. It's not up to you to make up your own identity. It's not up to you to look inside your heart and find out who you truly are. Jesus gives you a new identity. And that is why we are focused on him, because he is our identity. And another reason why we are Christ-focused is, is that Jesus Christ has all authority. We read in Daniel that interesting passage that tells us about somebody who gives all authority. There's this interesting character, this one like a son of man. In Daniel, it doesn't say who this is. It says one like a son of man comes to God, the ancient of days, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. This one like a son of man is given all authority, is given, all, is given a kingdom so that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. And then what does Jesus say after he rises from the dead? After he rises from the dead, he came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Jesus is saying that that prophetic vision from Daniel that was about me all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus and that's part of the reason why we're focused on him because Jesus is the boss Jesus is the boss he is the one who sets the agenda he is the king of kings. He is the judge. He is the Lord of lords. He is the God of gods. He is the head over the church. He has all authority. Not some. Not a little bit. All. And that means that all authorities on earth under Christ are that. They are under him. They should serve him. From parents being authorities over their children from husbands in households to pastors at church to managers and employees, uh, employers to government officials to presidents and prime ministers and kings and queens. All authorities must bow the knee to the one who is in authority over them, Jesus Christ, their king. All must bow to him. All must submit to his rule and reign over everything. And we need to look to him for him to tell us what is right and wrong. How should we live in the world? How should we uh, discharge our duties? If we do have some authority, how should we express that authority in this world? Jesus tells us how to do that. He tells us what's right and wrong. He tells us what rights and privileges we have. He tells us what the boundaries are and what our obligations are to one another. Jesus is the prevailing authority. And I want you to know that this authority exists even if you don't recognize it. Perhaps you are not a Christian and you're still thinking about this Christianity stuff and what it means. Well, I want to let you know, lovingly, that you have been committing crimes against God. 
He is in authority over your life. And every moment that you continue in rebellion against him, you continue to sin against him, to commit crimes against him. It is though, imagine for a moment, you went to a foreign country and you just started doing whatever you liked. The fact that you don't know the laws of the land and that you're not obeying them, um, the fact that you're not a citizen of that land, is what I should say, doesn't let you off the hook for not obeying the authority that is there. The police would have every right to arrest you and charge you with whatever, whatever crimes you were committing. But the same, the, the thing is, in creation, there's no escape. You don't just have, you, you can't, you don't go to another place to come into a realm of God's authority. God's authority is here and now, and He has demands that He has placed on you. You are to submit yourself to Him and to serve Him. But the wonderful thing is that it isn't a, this kind of oppressive slavery thing, right? When we actually become uh, submit ourselves to God, He says, "Welcome into the family." He says, receive the inheritance. He says, rejoice and receive all these blessings and all these gifts and this grace and this mercy. God's authority comes with great blessings. So Jesus is authority. Jesus has authority over all. And that's one of the reasons why we focus on him. Okay, so we're getting the picture. Jesus is obviously, one, like we should be Christ-focused as people, as a church. What are the, some of the implications of that? What does it look like on the ground? What's some of the practical things that we do? How are we Christ-focused? Well, one of the things that we do is that we put our trust in Jesus. We put our trust in Jesus. Jesus has come to save a people for himself, so when we focus ourselves, we turn to, to, to him to receive the salvation that he offers, how do we do it? How do we obtain it? We don't do it by uttering magical words. We don't do it by trying to earn his pleasure. If we do enough of the right things, maybe he'll be nice to us. No, Jesus says, this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I'll raise him up on the last day. That's what we do. We look to Jesus. We put our trust in Jesus. We put our faith in him. That's, we, we focus on him and, we, and that's how we live out of that with faith and trust in Jesus. And we use a bunch of different words around this that all point, are all kind of different facets of the same thing. We love Jesus. We have loyalty towards Jesus. We have faith in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We trust in Jesus. All of these things are, are facets of what it means for us to, to, put, to, to go to him, to put our faith and hope in him. And when we do that, he gives us graciously. He gives us graciously all the blessings that he has for his people. But another asset, facet of, of how we how we focus on Christ is we obey Jesus. What he says, we will do. He, don't we sing a song about that? Where he, where, he, when he, where he sends, we will go. What he says, he, we will do. Where he sends, we will go. As people saved from our sin, as people saved from the wrath of God, as redeemed and justified people, we now live in obedience to Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, 
you will keep my commandments. He doesn't say here, you will keep my commandments to earn my love. He says, if you love me, this is what it looks like. This is the natural outcome of belonging to Jesus and trusting in him. This is what will happen. You will keep my commandments. How are we Christ-focused? Well, we worship through Jesus. We worship through Jesus. Worship, in some sense, is ascribing honour and worth to God. And we can only do that through Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. He is the mediator between God and man. We can only come to God through him. We can only bring our offerings of of praise and, and prayers through him. Jesus makes our measly efforts worthy of God. And so, in, in the Bible, we're taught to pray in Jesus' name. And the writer to the Hebrews says, Through him, this is Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Worshipping God means praising God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. And... Jesus is interceding for us. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And in some sense, all worship and glory of the earth goes through Jesus. In Jude, it says, To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority, before all time, now and forever. Amen. It all comes through Jesus. So being Christ-focused means that we worship through Jesus. We preach Christ We preach Christ because we are Christ-focused. So what are you going to hear when you come to church on Sunday? You're going to hear about Christ. He is the center. And Paul talks about this. He said, I delivered, he was talking to the Corinthian church. He said, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus was the center of the message that he had. All of the other things that Paul said to the Corinthians, all important things, about how they should live and ethics and, 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 and what food to eat and all these kinds of other instructions that he gave, how to structure church, all important things. But what was of first importance? Christ. And so sometimes you might start to get into a, a mindset of like, oh, we're back at, we're at church on Sunday and they, we're at the part where they say, Jesus died for your sins again. And we start to tune it out. But this is why it's at the center, because it's important. We can never move on from this. This is ground for everything else. As I said, it's the hub. If you take out the hub, everything else falls apart. We preach Christ, and not just here on Sundays, but our lives should be preaching Christ. And I don't mean that just in the sense of uh, we do things that are nice and we we do good deeds, and other people look at us and say, wow, they do good deeds. I wonder why. We hope that that does happen. But it is accompanied by, I do this because of Christ. I belong to him. I'm saved by him. And he will save you too. We preach Christ and him crucified. And the last thing I wanted to mention about how we are Christ-focused is that we give our whole life to Jesus. And I want to emphasize that word, whole Let's use Paul as an example of what this looks like. Paul says, I count everything as loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is an example of what it looks like to lay your whole life down for Jesus, to suffer incredible sufferings and trials for Jesus, to give up everything that he had known, to give up all of his privilege and status, all of his wealth, to give up anything in this world that he might be able to point to and say, that's mine, or that's for me. He wants to give it all up. Give it all up so that he might receive Christ, so that he might gain Christ. Our whole lives need to be given over to him. The temptation for us in the modern age is to come to church on Sunday morning, to sing the praises, to go, yes, yes, I believe this, yes, this is true, yes, this is good, and then to go out into the world and forget about Jesus and to live our lives as if uh, the, the pagan ideas are true. Oh, it's my life. I'll do with it what I want. I'll decide how things will be. I'll make my own choices. I'm going to um, build myself up in the image of what I want. And we set ourselves as Lord over our own life in the other six days of the week. It's a temptation. I'm not saying that you necessarily do it, but I'm sure you've experienced that in your life. But our whole life, every passing moment, needs to be brought into obedience to Christ. Our whole life needs to be given over to him, to be given up for him. And in fact, even the things that are some of the best things in life, that are good gifts from God, still take a back seat to Jesus. Jesus says, a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That is how much, that's how significant it is that our life should be given over to Jesus, that even the closest and best relationships, as I said, good gifts from God, mothers and fathers and children, but even they need to take a back seat to belonging to Jesus wholeheartedly and fully. We need to give our whole life to Jesus and that's part of what it looks like being Christ-focused. So in summary, in summary, we as a church must be Christ-focused because Jesus created us. He's our saviour. He's our identity. He is our authority. And if we want to see God, we have to look to him to see Jesus is to see the Father. He is God revealed to the world. To seek God is to seek Jesus. But how, how do we show this? How is this demonstrated in our lives? How are we Christ-focused in practice? 
we put our faith in Jesus, we obey Jesus, we worship through Jesus, we preach and proclaim Jesus, and we give our whole life over to him. There is a lot more that we could say on this topic. But I hope that this summary, this overview, this rapid-fire pass-through, all of these things will demonstrate to you, give you the, the picture of who we should be and what we are aiming for as a church. That Jesus should be the centre of everything. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for him who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We thank you, Lord, that by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. We recognise, Lord, that all things were created through Jesus and for him, and that he is before all things and then in him all things hold together. We thank you, Lord, that he is the head of this body, the church, both the local church here at Flooding Creek, but the head of the body across the world, that your church universal. We thank you, Lord, for him who is the beginning of the, from the dead, sorry, the be, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. We thank you for him and we pray, Lord, that in everything he might be preeminent in our lives, in this church, in the world, that all may bow to him. Because in him all the fullness of you, Lord, was pleased to dwell. And through him you have reconciled to Christ, to yourself, all things, whether on earth, whether um, whether on earth in or in heaven, making peace by the blood of that cross. We thank you, Lord, that you have taken us who were once alienated and hostile in mind, rebelling against you, and you have re reconciled us through Christ's body of flesh by his death to make us holy and blameless and above reproach before you. We thank you, Lord, for this, and we ask, Lord, that you would help us to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that we have heard. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.